Hi everyone, welcome to the True Crime Podcast, where we focus on San Diego cases. My name is Arena. And I'm Renette. And we uh, <laughs> we actually recorded this already about two days ago, but someone forgot to save the audio file. <laughs> I am so sorry, and Arena, I'm going to need you to act surprised. When I, I will, don't <laughs> worry about that. I will definitely, and I mean... Honestly, like, yes, I remember the case, but there are obviously going to be some details that I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about uh-huh. that. So no worries. And yeah. And for those of you who messaged me and said it was because I was drinking wine that had <laughs> nothing to do with it. I had one glass of wine, did not feel anything at all from it. So the wine had nothing to do with it. True, true. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> well, I'm drinking wine right now. I know. <laughs> I'm drinking bubbly water. <laughs> Come on, I'm the only alcoholic here. I feel like no, I'm not. No, I would be drinking wine if I owned wine. I don't ever own wine. I have whiskey, but I'm not going to drink, sip on whiskey on a weekday. I, I Is mean, it bad that I went to Costco purposely today with the intentions of, I mean, I knew there was a few other stuff and I was like, well, honestly, wait, I need wine. So do you get like, do you ever get uh, Kirkland alcohol? Like I haven't tried well God, uh, the vodka. So I've tried their vodka. It's supposedly yeah. Grey Goose, right? Yeah. Or- so uh, supposedly it's basically Grey Goose. Yeah, but their Kirkland stuff is really good. I mean, I yeah. like Kirkland anything. I oh, I do really too. Great brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually the main thing I wanted to find today, other than wine, was um, they're the Kirkland, uh, like the Starbucks little egg white things. You know, like they come two in a pack, uh-huh. and you can buy them at Starbucks, and they have like bacon and cheese or they have like a spinach oh, and oh, cool. bell pepper I think it is uh-huh. one of like my frozen ten- or yeah well you microwave it which is oh, probably okay. not the best for you right yeah. but they're so good um I tried it last week one of my tenants uh Rosario gave me one and they were so good so I went and bought them sure. today and it's Kirkland brand so oh nice of course better than Starbucks in my opinion like ah. no. <laughs> don't let them hear you say that <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Arena. So today I'm going to talk about Kristen Rossum. I suppose I shouldn't ask you if you know this case because that's my <gasps> I question. I've never heard of it. <laughs> well, you're going to learn all about it today. I can't wait. <laughs> so Kristen, she worked as a toxicologist with the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office. Kristen poisoned her husband, Greg, with a fatal dose of fentanyl, and she staged the crime scene after her favorite movie, American Beauty by placing rose petals all over her husband's dead body. So theatrical and crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I still need to watch American Beauty. I've never seen it before. My God, that's right. I forgot that you... See, I'm already forgetting things. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you should. I mean, honestly, it is one of the greatest movies, in my opinion. I, really? I really, really liked it. Yeah, the way it was directed and the characters are really intricate and different and interesting. Um and it has amazing actors in it. Unfortunately, I mean, Kevin Spacey's in it. Now we know he's a total creep. But back right. in the day, he was a very, very prolific actor. And he did an amazing job. I mean, that movie won so many awards. So definitely go really? watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Um, I'm not sure if I asked you, but have you ever watched Call Me By Your Name? That sounds really familiar. I don't think I have. Which one's that? That's a really good movie. Actually, um, Joel told me about that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it was filmed in the 90s or something. And um, it's like based in Italy and it's this college professor and he brings in his, um, gosh, what do you call them? Like an assistant or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that assistant of his that he brings to his home in Italy starts having an affair with his 17-year-old <gasps> son. It's oh, really wow. good, though. It's just such a good movie. I just Googled it. It has uh, Timothy. The Chalamet in it, and okay, I don't really recognize other actors. Oh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. What? Yeah, it's like they hang out, uh, swim, go on bike rides, drink apricot juice all the time. It looks wonderful. It's, but- t- it takes place in Italy. Mm-hmm. That sounds very Italian. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so, well, oh, by the way, sorry. Yeah. Um, oh no, never mind. Damn, I, I just Googled uh, to see if American Beauty was on anything like streaming, but I don't think it is. I think you have to like rent it or yeah, it's not. No, so has this thing. Um, 
I don't know what it's called, but we watched the movie The Whale recently on it, and I know yeah, that's not out anywhere. So I'm sure, you know, American Beauty's got to be on there. Oh, okay. How was that? Did you like it? Such a good movie. It made yeah. me cry. It was, it, was really, it was really sad. Yeah, that's what I heard. I really need to watch it. I love Brendan Fraser. So I'm so, so glad he's back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Enough of this. People are probably fast forwarding. <laughs> They're like, get to the case. <laughs> exactly. All right. So Kristen was born on October 25th, 1976 in Memphis, Tennessee to her parents, Ralph and Constance. She was the oldest of three children. She was the only girl, so she had two younger brothers. She came from a really well-to-do family. Both of her parents worked as college professors, which uh, when I was doing my research for this case, I started looking into Ralph and I found his curriculum vitae. I'm not sure if I'm saying the second part of vitae Vitae. properly, but anyways, uh, it's basically a short written summary of a person's career, sort of like a resume. Okay. And so I found his curriculum vitae, and it shows that Ralph received his PhD from the University of Chicago, and he specialized in constitutional law, constitutional interpretation, and criminal justice. Thanks, smarty pants. Yes. And he was the member of the Board of Trustees for the American Academy of Liberal Education, and he was even a a former Justice Department official in the Reagan administration. Dang, that's Mm -hmm. pretty crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. And on that curriculum vitae, his address was listed. And at least at the time that he made that resume thing, um, he was living in Dana Point. And I Googled the address and it was such a beautiful home. It was in a gated community. It had views of the ocean. It was a multimillion dollar home. So they were living really, really good. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, because I remember um, previously, I thought you were talking about Dana, the Dana in Mission or like Mission Bay. But right. your Dana Point is like you said near. Where was I think it? it's near Orange County, like Southern okay. California, somewhere more north of San Diego, though. Oh, OK. And um, like I had mentioned in the first recording, it was like when you walk into the house, there was like a staircase on each side. Yes, like, like every like rich celebrity that yeah. has those types of houses. It's like a Malibu and like stuff like that. Yeah. So anyways, as I mentioned, Kristen's mom, she was also a professor and she worked at Azusa Pacific University for a bit. And at a time, she was also the president of Management Directives, Inc., which is an independent consulting firm. I also found Constance's, um, her LinkedIn, and it said she received her PhD from the University of Claremont. And and so, like, I was like, gosh, I always, when I came across the word Claremont, I was, like, thinking it was a Claremont here in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's also in Southern California, more north of us. Okay, yeah. And she had her most recent job on her current LinkedIn. Um, it was listed as a professor of marketing and management at the University of Laverne. So then I decided to go to her rate my professor to see if I can find her, <laughs> which I did. And she was rated 3.6 out of 5. So she was decent, right? Yeah. And like I mentioned, Kristen was born in Memphis, Tennessee, but her and her family moved around a lot. So her dad would get these amazing job offers that required he and his family to move to different states. Um, There was a period where they lived in Chicago, Illinois, where her dad was teaching at Loyola University. And that was when Kristen was about five years old. That's also the time when she started child modeling. Oh, okay. Um, She was really pretty. I think you looked up a picture on her on the last one. Yeah, she was really, really pretty. Uh huh. She almost looked like like an actress or something, right? When She does, yeah. She has that, like, demeanor for sure and her hair, yeah. Uh-huh. So she started doing the childhood modeling. She did uh, sort of catalog type of modeling for Sears and Montgomery Ward, stuff like that. Why well, miss Sears? Uh-huh. I know, me too. The Sears here at the Chula Vista Mall, yeah. I think they're making that. Well, it turned into, like, a COVID, like, Oh, center. Uh, vaccination center for a while. Oh, okay. But now they're going to make it. I've seen it on the Nextdoor app. Like 
uh, senior living or something oh, like that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's still okay. Well, I mean, that's kind of cool, I guess. Using well, the they're space. doing that by my house and in back of Christina, too, where that crane was in her backyard for forever. Oh, wait, that's a senior living home? That's what they're going to make it. For like a year ago when I was like stressed at work and I was like, fuck this place, I'm going to quit and find another job. I started looking yeah. for other places and I interviewed with the real estate company that um, that was building, you know, mm-hmm. that building in back of Christina's and stuff. And when I went for that interview, um, he was telling me that it's going to be like a 55 and up senior living facility, but like a fancy sort of one, like with a swimming uh, pool, like a couple lap pools and different stuff in there. So I remember them, um, Christina and Denise, they live in that house together and they have a really big yard, which is mm-hmm. nice. But the senior living home is like right next to the fence at the end of their yard. And oh. their balconies of these places are going to be facing their home. Like these balconies. And it's a tall building. So they were kind of like, what do we do? Do we build trees? Like, do we put trees here? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll privacy? tell you what they need to do. Arena, I mean... Christina and Denise need to put on some thong bikinis, <laughs> lay out there, sit around, cook, grill, we'll find tan. themselves a sugar daddy. That's right. Oh, my That's God. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, there wouldn't be sugar daddies there if they had living in a senior That's living. true. That's true. Damn it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, so she, when she was doing that childhood modeling, that lasted for only about a year um, because Kristen really wanted to do ballet. And that was her true passion more so than modeling. So she started doing ballet and she was just really good at it, naturally good at it. And when she was about eight years old, her dad took on that position with the Reagan administration. So that came with another move. And that's when they moved to Maryland. Okay. So they were in Maryland for a short while. Kristen was still doing ballet. She was super committed to it. But then they move again and they move to Claremont for a few years because Ralph gets a job at Claremont McKenna College where he's mm-hmm. a vice president and dean of the faculty. And that's here in, in Ch- California. Southern California. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dang, so literally moving like from coast to coast. That must yeah, have it's been... almost like they're a military family or something, right? Yeah, that must have been tough. Yeah. And so they're there for a while, but then he takes like this one year sabbatical. What the hell is a sabbatical arena? Like you a know? break, like a leave of absence, I think. Okay, yeah. so he yes. took that. And um, I wonder why he did that. I mean, hopefully he did that for good reasons, right? But I'm now it's I'm just thinking about it. I wonder if some stuff was going on behind the scenes. True. But um, during that time, the family moves to Virginia. And she continues with the ballet. And that's where she gets a ballet injury. Right. Uh-huh. And that really devastated her because, like I said, ballet was her passion and she couldn't do that anymore. Um, So the injury and moving around a lot, I can't imagine it was easy for her, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's also the time when she starts experimenting with smoking cigarettes, drinking beer and smoking weed. And I think she's 14, 15 years old at that time. Oh, wow. So the family, you know, they're in, they go back to Claremont because they're in Virginia for a year, but then they go back to Claremont where her dad is still working with McKenna University. So she's actually, it's actually 15, 16 years old. And her friend introduces her to crystal meth. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. What a jump. Like Jesus. What a shitty friend, right? Yeah, for real. Where did she find these people? Jeez. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and she was going to these like fancy private schools and some of them were all girls schools, but I guess that's where they have the best drugs, huh? Oh, yeah. Actually, I don't know if crystal meth is a good drug. (laughs) I, you know, yeah, it's supposed to be like a, like a poor man's Mm -hmm. cocaine, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So she instantly becomes addicted She starts losing a lot of weight. Her grades start dropping. Her demeanor was just different, but for whatever reason, her parents never assumed anything. Or maybe they were just in denial, you know, um, which, you know, some things that have happened in my family. So I can understand why you might be in denial for a little bit in the beginning. Yeah, Because no parent wants to think that their kid's doing drugs. Yeah, of course. 
So the signs were there, but her parents weren't doing anything about it. Um, and then it's Kristen's parents' anniversary, and they want to go on a cruise to celebrate. So they leave Kristen home alone with her two younger brothers. And what do most teenagers do when their parents are out of town? Uh, Party. Uh-huh. <laughs> she had a rager, okay? She invited a bunch of her friends over. Her friends brought beer, drugs, and... God, now I wonder, like, wonder what her brothers were doing. But anyways, when her yeah, parents returned, they're, they're younger, right? Yeah, and I honestly don't know how much younger they are. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I wonder, like, if they were involved or they just like stayed in their rooms, or she made them like, you know, stay, <laughs> stay mm-hmm. awake. Maybe they were. She's just like play video games in your room. I'm having friends over. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. When her friends or when her parents return from the cruise, they notice that things are missing. So they can't find their checkbook. Um, Constance notices that some of her jewelry is missing. Hell no. But instead of asking Kristen or her younger brothers anything about it, she just phones 911 because oh she God. assumes that there was like a burglary or something. Oh, my God. With like, like then what the kids like didn't even know about the burglary. Like, you know, like they didn't mention it when the parents like came back or anything when she immediately just assumed <laughs> right and then now that i'm also thinking about it i mean didn't the brothers probably say like Kristen had a party mom like there yeah. was a bunch of people over and they were drinking and smoking and maybe they um, were like kind of partying with her maybe yeah maybe or also they just maybe she paid them off here here's <laughs> 20 bucks don't say anything to mom and dad yeah maybe it's like you better not say anything and like yeah, and who knows if maybe she was the one who told the story that, oh, yeah, maybe someone snuck in and stole things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be it. So they phone the police. And so after they make that phone call and they're waiting for police ar- to arrive, the parents end up finding a little baggie with white like substance in it, which is probably uh-huh. crystal meth, right? And so they asked Kristen about it. You know, what is this? And she said she doesn't know what it is, that the baggie's not hers, and she doesn't know how it got into the house. It must have been the burglar just left his drugs here. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, but when she said she didn't know anything about it, that's when it started to kind of just like register, and they knew that something was not right here. So they started questioning her. Like, really, like, are you sure? Like, we feel like this might be yours. And she got really upset with her parents. She freaks out. She locks herself in the bathroom. She threatens to harm herself. Yeah, that's what happens with, you know, that whole situation. So, you know, the parents are struggling. You know, they're dealing with the stress and pain that comes with having a child who starts doing drugs. Um, And so eventually, you know, from... My research, I couldn't find anything of her going to like counseling or to a therapist for this, but I know eventually they did try some outpatient rehabs. Okay. And so they would work for a short amount of time, but eventually Kristen would get back on the drugs. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, the drugs just had such a strong hold on her. Yeah. So she started so young. Right. So young. And it's just like, it just shows you also, like, it's not just um parent kids children who come from like a broken home like her parents were still together mm-hmm. her parents came you know had amazing careers she lived in this beautiful home yeah had everything she wanted basically mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i mean that goes to show like how influential your friends can be your environment like your schooling like the people that you you surround yourself with definitely affects you what you choose to do yes So it turns out at that time, Kristen had enough credits to graduate high school early. So, you know, when I read that, I thought, oh, shit, like it must have been when she was 16. But no, she was 17 years old. Okay. Um, But I graduated at 17 and I didn't graduate early. But anyways. Oh, yeah. Because her her birthday's like the end of the year, right? But mine is also I'm November 6th. Yeah. So maybe like it. Oh, right. Like it pushes it. It like gets counted. Um, early, maybe? Well, it said she graduated early, like she had enough credits. Maybe she, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) 
she was 17 years old. Um, and, you know, at that time, her dad, he was still working as a professor, but he wasn't with McKenna anymore. He was at Redlands University. So they thought it would be a good idea for her to apply as a student at Redlands. And so she applies. She's accepted. So it's really nice for a while because Kristen and her dad get to commute together. And it seems that Kristen stopped using the drugs. And at that time when she stopped and was doing better, she asked her parents if she can live in the dorms over there. Mm -hmm. And since she was doing good at the time, they said yes. But unfortunately, while living in the dorms, she gets back into her addiction, which is just so frustrating for her parents. I know. It's kind of like, I mean, you could see this coming from a mile away, but at the same time, you want to give your your child, or at that age, she was, what, 17, 18, about yep. to be, you want to give them that freedom, too. And that also that college experience, it's like, she needs to be a, try to be a responsible, like, adult student. So mm -hmm. that's hard. So she starts doing poorly, okay? She's not doing really well in university. So she eventually ends up leaving. And she's just couch surfing at her friend's house. Houses, oh, so she's I should not say. even like, she didn't even go back home? She just... No, she didn't go back home. I don't know if she just willingly didn't go back home or if her parents have had enough at that point and said, you can't come home probably because they were thinking... We have our two younger sons and yeah. she was stealing from them. So, you know, she, they probably like, we did everything that we can. You're 18 years old. Yeah. And paying for school and also like dorms, that's a lot of money. So I'm sure oh they were kind of like, you know what? Like we tried to give you this and you're not, you're not respecting us. So you're not going to come back home. Yes. So she's couch surfing at different friends' houses and at that point, she eventually makes her way down to Chula Vista, and she's staying at a motel in Chula Vista. Okay. One day, she decides to go to TJ. I'm not sure what for, but this is when she meets who will soon be her husband, and his name is Greg DeVillers. Okay. Now, Greg was born on November 12th, 1973. He was born in Illinois, but grew up in Palm Springs. Greg, too, came from a well-to-do family. Um, his father was a plastic surgeon from Monaco. Wait, I said it wrong last name. <laughs> Is it Monaco? Monaco. Okay. <laughs> Monaco. <laughs> uh, me and my words. Clearly, I don't know how to say words. Oh, and I was going to say, that's so funny how like they're both from Chicago. Or no, Illinois. They're yeah. Illinois. They and both then they like, grew up like, for a while in Illinois. Oh, yeah, parents. she was born. That's right. And like wealthy parents, and um, oh, and parents also with great careers. Yeah, um, probably the reason why she was going to TJ was because she was probably legal to drink. <laughs> That's the right. reason I or would go to probably to get drugs like easily too, yeah, right? I maybe. mean, I know, yeah, she could have gotten them here easily in San Diego, Chula Vista, but maybe it's cheaper too. Like you know, for her to like be um closer to the border and you know she can drink and go to clubs and bars and stuff so i know somebody that goes like i'm talking about to this day like now goes into tj just to get xanax for himself really? because he can't get it prescribed to him here so he goes to tj and it's very easy to get that stuff there so dang mm -hmm. um there's like well this is the other border canada uh -huh. um, um, one of my family members, she can't afford the medication here, so she gets a uh, prescription through Canadian pharmacy, and oh. it takes a while for them to deliver it, but because she can't afford it, and like a lot of times the generic version isn't available, you know, so it's like Canadian How pharmacy. How do you do that, though? Like, do you, you just see a doctor online. virtual? So um, you get the prescription here in the U.S., but you can scan it or have them send it to specific, uh -huh. you know, email, fax number, whatever. And then it does take like a couple of weeks or several weeks for them to send you the medication. Uh -huh. But it's like a lot of times it's meds that you can't get here or that you can't afford. And like I said, if you really need that, you can only afford the generic. Sometimes it's not available in the U.S. So you, they can get it from Canada. Do they got, I wonder if they can give me, what's that one diet pill everyone's taking right now? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> uh, oh, Zampic. So it's like this big thing where all the stars and celebrities are taking it. What? To get really skinny, maybe I'll get. I'll I'll have you later. Give me the info. Let me see okay. if I can get that so I could get skinny for. Summer I didn't even real quick. hear about that. 
<laughs> no. I mean, I guess it's, is that healthier than crack? <laughs> Probably like just slightly better. Just a little better. <laughs> just a little better. As long as I'm not snorting lines or smoking out of a crack pipe. I know. I, I see you like next time with your teeth all fucked up. No. Exactly. And I'm all like picking my face oh, and no. shit. Selling things in my house. Oh, God. You look like you're on the set of Breaking Bad or something. <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> so, he, so, like I said, the dad was a plastic surgeon. Greg was a student at that time at UCSD, and he was getting his degree in biology. So, Kristen is on the pedestrian bridge. She's making her way into TJ, and so's Greg. He's at, so, she's alone, and Greg is with his brothers, Okay. And I should mention this is in 1994. Okay. So Kristen is alone. Greg's with his brothers and they literally bump into each other. Um, I read on one source, I read two different ways that they bumped into each other. But the one that seemed more likely was that when she was walking on that bridge, she dropped her jacket, knelt down to pick it up, stood up and accidentally bumped into him. Mm-hmm. So Greg sees her. She's this beautiful girl and he's just instantly smitten with her. Yeah. Greg was 21. Kristen was 18 years old. So Greg, he invites Kristen to spend the day and TJ with him. And she agrees. And they spend the day eating tacos, drinking, dancing at different bars. And so when Greg met her, he had no clue that she was an addict. Okay. Um, Greg was super against drugs. In fact, he himself would hardly even take like a Tylenol. Oh, wow. Okay. So that night, she goes back with him to his apartment. He's living. He has roommates. I don't remember if one of the roommates was one of his brothers, but he he's living on campus at the university he's going to. Okay. So she goes back with him that night, and literally days later, she moves in with him and his roommates. Days later? Days. Oh, my God. That's never a good idea. No, well, they didn't waste any time. Jeez. So a few weeks into the relationship, Greg finds out about her addiction because some of his stuff starts missing and some of his roommates have stuff that also go missing and he confronts her about it and he finds out that, you know, she is an addict. Mm -hmm. Now, Greg, being the sweet guy that he is, instead of getting upset and kicking her out, what I think most people would do, he wanted to help her get clean. That is so nice. Like... I would have been like, nah, you're fun for a while, but now you're stealing shit and you're on drugs. Like, get the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah, I I would be the same way. Yeah. I would too. And especially only knowing each other for like a few days. Like, you know, it's not like a longtime friend or girlfriend. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, he did help her get clean though for, it was a really short while, um, but she was clean for a while there. And he actually encouraged her to mend her relationship with her parents because at that time she was not speaking with them. And so she did reach out to them and they started talking and she told her parents all about Greg and how she was living with him and how she was clean. And things are good for a very short while because we like as if you've known anybody that has an addiction, like sad to say, but those good moments mostly only last for a short while before they're back on the drugs again you know yeah that sucks because it's like the moment they kind of feel sad or stressed it's like they the first thought is like to go back to it because they just don't want to deal with it or that's the only way they know how to yeah that's true and it's it's sad i i know the person that's struggling with the addiction obviously they are also hurting but sometimes i kind of wonder if it hurts the family more because the family is the one that's not on the drugs and they're, they're not numb by some sort of drug. Like they're it's really, seeing, really hard. They're, they're witnessing everything. Yeah. And like the stre- knowing, dealing with the stress thinking, are they going to, yeah. am I going to get a call in the middle of the night saying that this person overdosed and died? You know, it's really yeah. hard. Yeah. Things are going good for a short while. And in 1995, so a year later, Kristen decides to go back to school and she enrolls in SDSU and she's majoring in chemistry. Chemistry? That's not easy, right? Like really thinking about it, like Greg is getting his degree in biology, which can't be easy. And then her in chemistry. I know. I don't know what her intentions were. She planned on making her own crystal meth. (laughs) I mean, yeah, sounds like it. Damn. She's like, you know what? All these people try to get me to stay clean, but 
I'm going to get a degree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like become fuck a that. I'm going to start making my own shit. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of sprinkle of powder, she'll do like something cute and girly, like <laughs> a sprinkle of lavender or something. <laughs> right. So she eventually starts an internship in the toxicology lab at the San Diego County Medical Examiner's Office. And she's really loving her job. I um, bet. And it's actually a pay, of course. <laughs> and she eventually graduates from SDSU with honors. So she's a very smart she girl. Loves this major she chose. <laughs> she's <laughs> right. Like, so knowledgeable. And wow. She, I mean, good for her. Question mark. <laughs> uh, yeah. Question mark. Uh, <laughs> so she graduates with honors, and that's in 1998. That's also when she's officially hired on with the medical examiner's office working as a toxicologist. Wow. Wow. Like amazing job, right? Yeah. She's doing great things. Her parents (laughs) probably were super proud too. I know. They were probably questioning because if that was my daughter, I'd be like, that's great. But then thinking, fuck. God, you really want to go down this path? (laughs) Are you sure? So then on June 5th, 1999, so a year after she graduates um, university, Greg and Kristen, they get married. Now, Crime Watchers had a video posted on YouTube of their wedding day. And you can see Greg standing there and he's in this tuxedo and he just seemed he's so handsome. He just seems so happy, so nice. And he says that Kristen is the most wonderful woman he's ever met. She's incredible in so many ways. She's kind, caring, and he can't wait to spend a, the rest of his life with her. Aww, which sweet. is so sad. Yeah, sad. Knowing to, what happens. Yeah, that it's not going to end well. And he's just like head over heels in love with her. Uh-huh. Yeah, he definitely loved her more than, you know, I, she didn't. She couldn't have loved him with what she did. Yeah. So now soon after she was hired on with the medical examiner's office, there's a new supervisor that comes in, and it's a man named Michael Robertson. He's Australian, very handsome, and um, you know, I, I, that's her super, her new supervisor, and she starts having an affair with him. Oh my god! Why? Uh... So for a while already, Kristen just really wasn't into Greg. Um, she no longer felt a connection to him, and she was just like really pulling away. Um, which I just made me wonder, was she ever really into him to begin with? Maybe she got with him because she was living in a motel and she probably didn't have money. And she's seen this guy who loved her so much and yeah. put a roof over her head, all that sort of stuff. He, so he was like her meal ticket and just like with yeah. her parents, like using them for, you know, shelter and money and taking advantage of their kindness. Yeah, bitch. So Kristen and Greg, um, they seen, I'm sorry, not Kristen and Greg. So Kristen and Michael, they seen each other a lot because they work together, but they would also spend their lunch breaks with each other. And it seemed like they didn't even try to hide the fact that they were having an affair because coworkers, they can tell that something was going on, something more than just a supervisor employee relationship. And was Michael married or he was single? He was married. He had a wife. He was married too? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. What a mess. Mm -hmm. Now, a part of her job, which, good, I mean, horrible, but I'm sure, you know, she loved this is probably her favorite part. Part of her job was to log and store drugs that would come (laughs) in and out of the toxicology room. I mean, why not just like crush it up and like pour it up her nose? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like shoot it up her arm. My God. This is like ridiculous. It is. It's not a good idea for someone who's uh, an addict, right? Yeah. So at this time is when Kristen got back into meth. It was so, I mean, it's easy for her, right? And she was stealing the drugs from her work. Oh, my God. So somehow Greg finds out about her affair that she's having with her supervisor. Um, It's said that he had found a love letter that Michael had written to Kristen either Michael wrote to Kristen or Kristen wrote to Michael and he found this letter so when he finds out he gets into this huge argument with 
you know, with Kristen, understandably so. And he ends up calling um, Michael and he tells him, stay away from my wife. He then told Kristen that if she doesn't leave her job, that he's going to tell her superiors about the affair and about the drug use. Oh, my God. Now, that took place on November 2nd of the year 2000. Okay, Okay. so a couple years. Wait, yeah, a year only actually after they were married, a year and a half. So things are obviously super fucked up for them at that point. Mm -hmm. Four days later, so on November 6th, best day ever, that's the day I was born, Kristen (laughs) said... Kristen said that Greg wakes up super out of it, okay? Uh, This is what her ass is saying. So she called his employer and she left a voice message saying that Greg was sick and he was not going to be able to make it to work. After that phone call, Kristen left to work. That afternoon when she took her lunch break, um, she said she went home to feed Greg's Greg's soup since he wasn't feeling well. Okay. Okay. So... She said that when she seen him, she asked him why he was so out of it that morning. And Kristen said that he told her it was because he took some of her oxycodone and clonazepam, which she had prescribed to her from years back when she was trying to kick her meth addiction. Uh So she says, okay, and she goes back to work. At the end of the day, she goes back home and she said she heard Greg sleeping. Now she said she knew he was sleeping because he was snoring really loud. So she ends up leaving, though, like around 630 because she had to go run errands. And she said she was gone for about an hour and a half. So she gets home like at eight. She said Greg was still sleeping. So she takes a really long bath. Once she's out of the bath, she goes to climb into bed with Greg to check on him. And she said that's when she realized he wasn't breathing. No, act shocked. You're supposed to act shocked. Remember, even though you know this. Oh, no, he died. Yes. Oh, no. So she... <laughs> that was awful. I know. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not a good faker, Arena. <laughs> so she okay. said immediately she phoned 911. Now, that was shortly after 9 p.m. The 911 dispatcher told her to pull his body off of the bed so she can start performing CPR. And when she goes to the bed to pull him on the floor... That's when she says she discovered that Greg was surrounded by these rose petals. Oh, my God. And she said that he was clutching their wedding picture in his hand. She said that's when she realized that he probably committed suicide. So she said that days before he told her that he couldn't leave without her because I guess she asked for a separation. He said he didn't want to live without her. And the rose petals must have been an ode to her favorite movie, American Beauty. Yeah, like as if he's going to do all that work. Please. (laughs) She also said that the rose petals had to have been from a bouquet of roses that he bought her, I think, like a week and a half ago for her birthday. Mm -hmm. So ambulance gets there and they rush Greg to the hospital. But unfortunately, an hour after he he arrives at the hospital, he's pronounced dead. Greg was only 26 years old. Poor Greg. So young and nice good career going for him now an hour after he's pronounced dead Kristen is already signing the paperwork to donate his organs but it did seem like they said it seemed like she was in a rush to get these organs out and donated she um, also donated some of his tissue and she was already like in a hurry to make plans to cremate his body to collect the life insurance, to, you know, run off with her her boss and to continue doing math. <laughs> to hide if she gave him anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the yeah, last yeah. thing, like, I would ever do, like, God forbid, I found anybody supposedly right because, you know, that she, I thought committed suicide. That would be the last thing. I wouldn't talk about it. I, they would have to ask me because I'd be so distraught. Yeah, of course. Especially if it was my husband. Mm-hmm. So anyways, while that madness was going on, a detective from UCSD, because, you know, they lived on the campus, they went to the apartment to look at the scene of where Greg died. And while looking around, they found Kristen's diary and a crumbled letter from Michael to Kristen. 
which I can imagine it probably talked about the affair that was going on, right? Yeah. Because it's, you write personal things in your diary. And when Kristen got back to the apartment that evening, it was around midnight, and she actually showed up with Michael, the supervisor she was my having an God. affair with. Actually, oh. he was at the hospital, too. Oh, I'm sure he was there to support her. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she was so distraught. Uh-huh. But it, oh my God, Arena, I haven't been recording. No. Just kidding. <laughs> Bitch, I was, I was about to just close my laptop and just not talk to you for a while. <laughs> oh my God, don't do that. Holy crap. Oh, your face. It just no. looked like. <laughs> Anyways. I hate you. <laughs> So she arrives with Michael and the detectives start questioning her. She started telling them about her marital problems and she told uh, that, you know, she told him that she told Greg she wanted a separation. She said that she was very unhappy and that they had been growing apart. And she said Greg just wouldn't let her go. So she also admitted to them that she was a recovering addict. And she said the stress of everything going on had a play had a part of her, you know, relapsing. Mm-hmm. Now, something strange when the detectives were searching the apartment is they never found the empty bottles, like the pill bottles that were supposedly prescribed to her. Huh. Um, which is weird because if they were prescribed to her, well, where the hell are the bottles at? Right? Yeah, and he supposedly took them, like, and then went to bed. So they you would think they'd buy the nightstand or, or like, something. in the bathroom or something, like, on a counter, like... Yeah. Yeah. And so during this time, Greg's family and friends, they just knew something was not right here. They were really suspicious. They knew what kind of person Kristen was. And so um, they really pressured the police to investigate his death as a possible homicide. Yeah. And at this time, the detectives, they were getting word from Michael's and Kristen's coworkers about, you know, the affair that was going on. So the autopsies performed and it showed that Greg's lungs were three times heavier than normal due to prolonged congestion and unconsciousness. My God. And there was also a huge amount of urine in his bladder. They said it was an amount that would have been super, super uncomfortable for any person who, you know, was conscious to hold. Wow. That's insane. Yes. And they they said the type of urine retention um, that he had is usually caused by some sort of like sedative drug. Okay. So the doctor that was performing Greg's autopsy took blood, urine, and some tissue samples, and he sent it out for the toxicology screening. And thankfully, instead of having that done in-house, the doctor decided to send the samples out to an outside lab. Okay. Now, Kristen knew that her office never tested for fentanyl. They never tested at that time because at that time, fentanyl wasn't, you know, so um, such a big deal like it is these days. Nowadays, it's like a big, big issue. But back then, yeah. And she didn't think about that. that She didn't think about it. Yeah. And also, and and the crazy thing is, Arena, it was like either like a couple or a few months before Greg's death. Um. Kristen and Michael, they were sent off by their employer to like some fentanyl, um, like this course, like a, what do you call? Like a lecture or something? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it was all on fentanyl, which is crazy, right? Wow, what a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Now, as I mentioned, you know, Greg's family and friends, they felt like something wasn't right. And Greg's brother, Jerome, he went to the medical examiner's office and the police department, and he just wasn't giving up. He was voicing his concerns. He told them all about Kristen's drug use, her stealing, you know, the affair. And thankfully, the detectives, they were doing their job, and they really were digging deep into this case. And And while they were doing that, they discovered that the logs that Kristen managed, some of her drugs were missing. Of course, and oh. of course, it was oxycodone, clonazepam, and methamphetamine. Oh, my God. This is so, like, obvious. But, oh, another thing I was just going to say, like, uh-huh. because he was supposed to be cremated, I wonder if the reason, the only reason they they took 
samples of his blood, urine, and tissue and send it to an out lab is because the family was like telling detectives that this is not like a suicide or an accident. This was a homicide, right? Is probably that the only so. reason? Because probably so. They they had their suspicions and they knew that something wasn't right here. So yeah, because imagine God. if they had like cremated him and then right. he couldn't do anything. Right. And I can imagine Kristen was shitting bricks at this time. Thinking yeah. like, you know. And thinking she was going to get caught because she thought they were going to test it in the lab that she was familiar with, not an outside lab. Yes. And so, you know, since they found that these logs, you know, there was drugs missing. Um, and actually, Michael did admit to the police about um, that he was aware of Kristen's drug habit. So because of this, Kristen and Michael were fired. Yeah, I would hope so. Yes. So Michael, he actually ends up moving back to Australia at that time. Oh, okay. And that, another yeah. thing they found, um, so they ended, they seized Kristen and Michael's computers and also Greg's, and they found hundreds of emails between Michael and Kristen talking about their love for each other. So, you know, there was no denying it, right? How many, like, motives that, you know, like yes. slowly coming out that obviously she had a lot of motive to want to kill her husband. Yes. And Kristen at this time, she's just really sad because she really loved Michael. And now she, you know, where she was used to seeing him five days a week, she's no longer seeing oh, him because he's, I know, boo-hoo. Oh, well, I feel so sorry for you, but you're not sad about the husband that Exactly. Evil. <laughs> Jeez. So the autopsy results come back and it showed that there was very, very high amounts of fentanyl found in his system. Now, there were small amounts of clonazepam and the oxycodone found, but it was definitely not enough to kill Greg. It was ultimately the fentanyl that killed him. And from what I think, it it just has to be a small amount, right? To yeah, kill I, think, you. I think so. Yeah, it's pretty dangerous, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... You know, like I, we were talking about earlier, fentanyl at that time was not really easy to get, mm-hmm. but Kristen had easy access to fentanyl. So she was brought back in and she was interviewed and she denied having anything to do with her husband's death, but she told them, you know, I'm a recovering addict and I recently did relapse and detectives didn't have enough evidence to keep her, so they let her go. Now, time goes by, and in July of 2001, the police felt they did have enough evidence to arrest her for the murder of her husband. So remember how she said the the roses that were found on Greg were from that bouquet that he bought her weeks prior for her birthday? Okay, so police were able to find it. I love how we're acting like you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Renette, you're not supposed to say anything. Okay, <laughs> police were able to find a transaction that showed her ass went to Vaughn's the day of Greg's death. So she bought a few different items um, with cash. Okay, she paid cash. Okay, uh, but. You know, amongst the few things that she bought was one single stem rose. So here she's thinking, oh, I'm just going to get this thing and this and then the rose, but I'm going to pay with cash because my ass isn't going to get caught. Yeah, they can't follow me here, even though there's cameras everywhere. (laughs) Well, the fool used her Vons Club card to get her discount on the other items. (laughs) (laughs) She's like... I, I know I'm going to kill my husband, but I got to save some, some cents. I need to this. save 90 cents. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> save up, build up some points. <laughs> That's right. Or the Monopoly, didn't they used to have like oh, Monopoly yes. stickers? I need oh those my Monopoly God, I stickers. I love doing those, yes. And like when McDonald's did it too. Yes. Yeah. So okay, anyways, <laughs> the like, transaction yeah. is recorded and tied to her. So, you know, Arena, it just really shows like, just because you go to university doesn't mean that you're smarter. It doesn't make you smarter than other people. It will make you smart in that one thing for sure. Yeah. But- and she didn't even get that right because she was like, oh, the lab isn't going to test for fentanyl. Well, you didn't think about them just taking it to a different lab. Like, yeah. <laughs> and thankfully, she did that, made that mistake because who knows? Yeah. If, you know, so uh, yeah. anyways... Uh, they arrest her because they felt that was the smoking gun 
and her bail was set at $1.25 million. So she was sitting in jail. She was in there for about six months, but eventually her parents end up posting her $1.25 million bail. Oh my God. They bailed her out, literally bailing her out. And so, you know, she's out on bail. She's awaiting trial. But during that time, it's so wild to me, but she gets another job and she's working as a toxicologist at some biotech lab. While she's like about to be on trial for killing her husband with chemicals and drugs that she was administering at the job where she was sleeping with her boss. <laughs> right. And taking I mean, drugs. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, I don't think they must have known about her current charges, you know, but... Oh, yeah, that's right, because last time we had discussed, unless it's a felony that she's right. been charged with, she doesn't have to claim anything for finding a new job. Like, for, at, But at, you know what I'm thinking, too, Arena? At, also, though, at that time, what was it? Two, uh, shoot, 19... No, 2001. How could they... I imagine it was, like, on the news. It had to have been in the newspaper. How did they not see that? I don't know. I thought about that too, but maybe it wasn't like, I don't know, maybe they didn't release anything or maybe the lawyer that hired her didn't even think to do like a background check or, I mean, I don't even know. If, yeah. Maybe they didn't do a background check, which they should have. You would think. Yeah. She got so, arrested. <laughs> yes. So during that this time, Michael, he's aware, aware of everything that's going on while he's, you know, back home and on in Australia. And he does know that police think he may have had a part in Greg's death, um, but there was never enough evidence to convict Michael of anything. So Michael's off the hook. And, you know, trial begins and it's just a media circus. There was a professional, beautiful young woman who comes from a good family where both of her parents are professors and she's being charged with the murder of her husband. Yeah. And like I mentioned to you, like I watched different videos, like on the last, on the original <laughs> recording that, you know, I've seen videos of her walking into the courthouse and she's just so pretty and she's so well put together and polished. She looked like she was some like actress. A Sears model again. Yes, <laughs> exactly. She's but in court. Court That's model. right. <laughs> That's right. And so, you know, when you add beauty and the fact that she worked for the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office, it just, yeah, it was just a madhouse outside well, of that courthouse. Just like with all those other cases, like with Jody Seri, or was it Jody Seri? Arias. Arias, I'm sorry. Sarian is the other, um, Jodine. Jodine Sarian, yeah. Uh, Jody um, Arias and like, what was that other lady who killed her daughter? I keep forgetting her. Anyway, anyone who's good looking and who's trial for murder, they get like all this crazy fame and like, it's like, I can't believe someone so good looking would do something like this. It's like, oh my God, how superficial can you be? I Monsters know. come in all shape and forms. Of course. Of course. I never thought like, I didn't understand the whole Jodi areas. Like, well, yeah, she was pretty, you know. She you know, was. it's like every, you look at or you think about what a murderer or monster kind of looks like and it's, well, Ted Bundy. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. No one thought Ted Bundy was studied Jeffrey long. Jeffrey Dahmer. Everyone NBA. thought that he was so handsome. Just like, well, and they have all these fans. Oh, God. It's so just, yeah, it's just. Now, don't judge anyone, but to me, it's just disgusting glorifying anybody who just does something so horrible, you know? And, and then just surpassing all that and looking past it and being like, and they were really good looking. Like, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, where's your mind at right now? That's right. Anyways, the trial goes on for about a month, and there was lots of witness testimony from both sides. Prosecution said that Kristen killed Greg because he was going to out her to the medical examiner's office about her affair and her drug use. Yep. And then her attorneys said Greg was super depressed, suicidal. He didn't want to lose Kristen. But finally, jury deliberates for just over seven hours. And on November 12th of 2002, Kristen was found guilty of first-degree murder, and she was sent to life without bail. Yay. Yes. Justice, <laughs> thankfully, because we don't always hear this, right? Yeah. Now for Michael, as I mentioned, he moved back to Australia. He eventually remarried and he currently still works as a forensic toxicology consultant. Okay. 
know what? I don't know. I mean, I can vote. <laughs> Wait, I know how people getting these jobs, and like I try to apply to somewhere, and I can't freaking get <laughs> anything. Like I've been trying to apply to places. Hello. <laughs> And then it's just like, why do they also say like the evil people live forever? Like the crazy mean yeah, people, like cockroaches, they like don't die. That's right. They survive as they will do anything to survive. It's crazy. Oh my god, Arena, we better now that I think about it. I want to live to be a long time. We we need to do some fucked up shit. I mean, I did some fucked up shit in my early twenties. Maybe actually, I, I did too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We're all so like, we should, yeah, no, we were shitty yeah, for a while. Fine. Yeah, we were shitty I for a while. Okay, yeah. But for all of y'all who assume I'm that same Renette in my 20s, I am not the same. <laughs> so shit. Anyways, in 2006, she was sued by Greg's family for wrongful death, and they were awarded $100 million that was later reduced to $10 million plus a $4.5 million compensation award. And the San Diego medical examiners were made to pay $1.5 million to Greg's family. Now, Kristen tried to appeal her conviction on multiple occasions, but thankfully her petitions were denied. Of course. And today she is sitting in Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, and she continues to deny having anything to do in Greg's death. Wow. She's still denying it, huh? She's still denying it. Little Betty Brodrick over here. Yes. And you know what, Arena? I kind of wonder, like... I wonder how's her life over there in prison. I wonder if she has like a girlfriend, like someone to protect <laughs> her, right? I wonder what she looks like. How old is she by now? Let's see. I got a message from Zencaster. It says you can st- you what? can still finish this recording, but you won't be able to access your files, upgrade your account to unlock unlimited recording in your files. I swear this shit. Oh my god. Okay, Wait. I don't know. We'll figure this out after. I don't need no damn stress. <laughs> Oh, so, wait, can I mention something? Yeah. Okay. So, okay, you know, right before we were recording, I was making dinner. Uh-huh. I was making spaghetti. Uh-huh. And as I'm, like, boiling the pasta, I'm, like, staring at the package, but I don't really know why I'm looking at it so much. <laughs> I threw it away. And then I was, like, when I walked away from the trash, I was, like, oh, my God. I went back to the trash can. Look at this. Look at the label. Sorry, it's, like... Kind of gross because there's garlic. American in. Beauty. Just the brand of the pasta I got like a week ago. How weird is American it? American Beauty with a rose on it. Wait, and it has a rose, you damn lie. Let me see. It then. What the fuck? Dude, and I was like, that is what? so bizarre. Like, I've never bought this pasta, by the way. This, and this was from a week ago. Where, and did, where did you buy that? What grocery store? So there's a grocery store called Smith's, and it's basically like a Ralph's. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what the fuck? It had, they had a discount. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go And I was like, why am I like, I was like listening to a podcast while I was cooking. I was like, why am I staring at this label so much? And I was like, oh, shit, I forgot. That is too weird. That, that is, is too weird. weird. <laughs> so anyways, you know, that was the case. And, you know, poor Greg is just such a horrible tragedy. He seemed like a genuinely nice guy who just, Really loved his wife and wanted to help her. I know. Um, He's such a genuinely nice guy, like, from the very beginning. Literally, like, days after meeting her, he was, like, already just ready to help her and not, you know, push her away or treat her differently. He, like, really, you can tell he adored her. That sucks that he ended up with someone like like, that. Like, he didn't... You know, he didn't even, he wasn't, you know, with her for not even a month and finding out that she was an addict and stealing from him and his roommates. And I'm sure like that caused some sort of like uh, problems with him and his roommates, you know, because they're probably like, well, why are you still with her? Why is she still living here? She stole from us. It's just, yeah, it's just really sad. And Kristen deserves to be in prison for the rest of her life. Oh, yeah. And, you know, rest in peace to Greg, and my heart goes out to all of his loved ones. Yes, rest in peace, Greg. That's just awful. And I can't believe she even, not only did she murder her husband, but she just put on this display of these freaking rose petals with the, and then the love letter and the diary and everything. And it's like making him out to seem like he was just like this, you know, desperate, like, depressed husband in reality he was just like what the hell like I'm you know I just want to have a happy life a happy marriage and then she's like finds out that he's 
he's being cheated on and that she's yes. back to her drugs. It's just, that must have been like awful for him to find out. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to make sure that I press save. Yes. Please. After I stop this recording. <laughs> I'm going to, from now on, I'm going to be like, Renette, did you save it? Did you save it? I'm going to text you. I'm going to call you. But anyways, for those of you that made it this far and actually listened to the whole thing, thank you very much. Thank you for listening and sticking around. And we hope you guys enjoy. And thank you for your support. We really appreciate you guys a lot. And Thank we, you, guys. Yeah, we can't wait to continue. And hope you guys keep listening. <laughs> bye. Was We're that so awkward. Bye. Yeah, this is the ending. That's oh, the ending. Okay, okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>